Welcome to Zen Bones. This is Mark Lesser. Zen Bones is a bi-weekly podcast featuring conversations with leading teachers and activists and an exploration of Zen teachings and practices. Please support our work by making a donation at marklesser.net slash donate. We begin today's episode with a short guided meditation focused on being present here with nothing to accomplish. And then do a short talk on embracing the mind of the poet and the mind of the business person, exploring these distinctions and lack of distinctions in how we live and work and play. And today's Zen puzzler comes from a traditional koan about a buffalo jumping through a window. The aim of this puzzler is about letting go of our predicting minds and instead seeing the world as fresh, seeing through the world of possibility. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Now let's begin with a few minutes of sitting practice together. Dropping in as much as possible. Dropping into this place where there's nothing to accomplish. Nothing that needs to be changed or improved. bringing attention to the body, finding a way to sit where you can be relaxed, comfortable, and alert at the same time. Noticing the whole body, relaxing the muscles in the face, relaxing the jaw, shoulders, back, legs, feet. These amazing bodies that we take for granted, usually until something hurts or goes wrong. But So if there's anything hurting, giving that some attention. I've been paying uh, particular attention to my my right foot. So I'm, I'm giving it some attention right now and loosening the muscles in the bottom of my foot. Wherever, wherever, whatever needs attention for you. And noticing Noticing the breath, bringing attention to the breath. 
simply, simply allowing the breath to be full and fluid. Uh, breathing in, I know that I'm breathing in. Uh, breathing out, I'm aware, I know that I'm breathing out. And this was one of the earliest teachings of the historical Buddha as the path toward freedom. It's awareness, awareness of the breath. And noticing any, uh, what your approach is, what feelings or mood you're bringing to this time right now. And, and whatever that might be, inserting some sense of uh, warm-hearted curiosity. Warm-hearted curiosity. What is it like to be here? What is it like to be alive right now? Let it all go, to let it go. Uh, fading away, right? Uh, fading, let it fade away. No forcing necessary. And keeping it simple, keeping it simple, coming back, back to the breath, back to the body, here, now, alive. And I'm going to ring the bell, but please feel free to continue sitting for as long as you would like to. So finding your inner poet and your inner business person, finding or embracing, embracing your inner poet and inner business person. This is what I want to talk about today. And you know, I think regardless of our, our work roles or our usual identities, I think we can all benefit and find greater clarity, meaning, satisfaction in embracing our inner poet as well as our inner business business person. So I don't usually think of myself as a poet since I don't I don't write much poetry. I do love poetry. I do I do associate as feeling like I'm a business person in a strange way. I think when I was a young person in college I I would not have associated with business people. There was a certain resistance that I, I had. I think I had no, no experience with the world of business, just had some idea. And, and I noticed today, especially what's interesting, my, I, I joke that my, my, my Zen friends, my Zen community thinks of me as a business person. And I think my business friends, the people in the business community, think of me 
uh, as a Zen student or Zen teacher. So it's interesting just to be curious about these these identities for ourselves or for others, right? What 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 is it that what resistance do do we have? Do you have about thinking about uh, poetry or thinking about business? So I think I think poets and business people. Uh, there's our artistic minds and our our getting stuff done minds. But I think both both the mind of the poet and the mind of business people can be quite quite creative. Quite creative. So through through the perspective of poets, our lives, I think, are uh, mysterious and sacred. And I, I I felt this the other day, holding a, a young, a, a newborn baby in my hands, my grandson, who miraculously came out of my daughter's body. And I've also recently accompanied a good friend through the dying process. I was with, I was in London recently with a good old friend helping her. And it's funny, I think she thought I was helping her, but really she was helping me. She was opening my perspective and body to facing courageously facing death, saying hello and goodbye at the same time. Yeah, so this feeling that we are always immersed in, right? Again, this holding my newly born grandson and being with someone as she was uh, dying. And for me, at the same time, I'm training leaders in how to listen more attentively, to be more effective. And uh, I find the mind of the business person is uh, making decisions, leadership presence, uh, and having, uh, having difficult conversations. As a business person, there's the mind of needing to be responsive, to keep our, keep in, keep our calendar straight, to be tracking finances, and to be tracking people. So interesting, I think, these the mind, the mind of a poet and the mind of a business person. And maybe they probably uh, overlap in many places, but one, one is about finding more clarity, right? I think uh, clarity. And I've, I've been thinking a lot about this topic because I have a, a fairly new book out called Finding Clarity. And and one of the things that I write about is in, in this book, I say, to me, clarity begins with acknowledging and embodying that the world is not always what it seems. A tree on one level is just a tree. A tree can be dissected and explained in biological terms. Yet, when looked at from the perspective of larger reality, a tree is a complete mystery. We don't really know what it is or how it got here. 
The same is true of everything, including us, we humans here on earth. Birth, life, death, blood, hearts and hands, stone and sky, consciousness, all are mysteries, sacred mysteries to behold with wonder and awe. Clarity means seeing the world from both perspectives, the ordinary and the everyday, where a tree is just a tree, and the mysterious, which means acknowledging the unknown source of reality. Clarity is the larger reality that means seeing beyond or outside of these dualistic relative ways of perception. On this level, clarity dissolves distinctions. So it's interesting, right? I, the distinction of the mind of a poet and the distinction of uh, the mind of a business person. And, and I think we, uh, we, we both need to live in a distinct dualistic world. And how interesting to let these distinctions, to let these distinctions dissolve. And it makes me think of a conversation that I had with my friend, the poet, Jane Hirschfeld. And she was talking about surprise. And to me, again, one of my favorite topics, and I think one of Jane's favorite topics. And um, in our conversation, she said, everything is surprising to me. Surprise is the great unrecognized emotion of our life, or neurochemistry of our life, perhaps. And that surprise is what throws open the brain's portals to recognize something new and changed. I've become more and more interested in this moment of permeability and vulnerability that surprise offers. A long time ago, a study was done, which has stayed with my, my mind, where neuroscientists were first beginning to study meditation. And they would put people into fMRI machines and monitor their brains. Normal people, if you ring a bell repeatedly every 50 seconds, eventually the attention extinguishes itself and the sound of the bell no longer evokes any big response in the brain waves. When they put experienced meditators in the same situation, every ring of the bell evoked a fresh and complete response. It was always new. So this was something that Jane, Jane had to say. So I always like, a part of me likes to turn these, transform or question these ideas into practice. How can we practice with the, the duality, the distinctions between being the mind of a poet, uh, mind of a business person. How do we work with these and how do we work with the mysteries? So one way to practice is to experiment, experiment with the mind of a poet, maybe through journal writing. You might explore the prompts. What surprises me about my life right now? Or I'm a poet when, or love is, love is.
And you might read a little poetry uh, every day, even for a minute or two. You know, the poetry of Jane Hirschfield or Rumi or Hafez or Mary Oliver, David White, Naomi Shihab Nye, William Stafford, or you may have your favorite, favorite poems. And reading poems and just seeing what happens, seeing what happens with uh, poetry. And I think it's worth also stepping in fully to the mind of a business person. Maybe reading or listening to podcasts of business people, people like Adam Grant, the book Think Again, maybe the book Dare to Lead by Brene Brown, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Uh, yeah, so, so interesting, I think, and useful, right? Uh, we're all poets. We are all poets. We, we live in the world, the mystery of our birth and lives and death. And we're all business people. We all need to get stuff done. So I want to just read a short poem by Jane Hirschfield. A poem is called Optimism. More and more I have come to admire resilience. Not the simple resistance of a pillow, whose foam returns over and over to the same shape, but the sinuous tenacity of a tree. Finding the light newly blocked on one side, it turns in another. A blind intelligence, true. But out of such persistence arose turtles, rivers, mitochondria, figs, all this resinous, untractable earth. <laughs> more and more I've come to admire resilience, not the simple resistance of a pillow whose foam returns over and over to the same shape, but the sinuous tenacity of a tree. Finding the light newly blocked on one side, it turns in another. A blind intelligence, true, but out of such persistence arose turtles, rivers, mitochondria, figs, all this resinous, unretractable earth. Yeah. And I would add, out of this, out of this resilience, resistance, uh, we, we humans, we are our consciousness, our bodies and minds and consciousness arose. So please do explore, explore your, the mind of poetry uh, and the mind of uh, being an effective, successful, res resilient business person. Welcome to the Zen Bones Puzzler, where I will regularly be presenting a story or a Zen cone or a poem, something to contemplate, to think about, a story that has purpose. It's about developing greater insight and reflection, not so much for a solution, but as a way to support your practice, a kind of meditation in daily life. 
So today's Zen puzzler, I'm, I'm going to return, there, there, there's, I'm going to return to one of my favorite Zen koans. It's actually a very traditional Zen koan, which is this image. And I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure I've talked about this before, but it's a little bit like what Jane, what Jane was saying about meditation students is that Everything, everything is new and everything is fresh. So these Zen stories are meant to we are meant to come back to and see how it's the same words, the same image, but how uh, it's now making it fresh and new, making making everything in our lives fresh and new because it is fresh and new. We don't have to make it. It's dropping. It's dropping the, the predictive nature of our brains, which can, and we want things to be safe. Anyhow, this story, what I love about th this story is a traditional Zen story about a buffalo that is going through a window. And in this Zen story, this Zen koan, it describes how a buffalo jumps through the window and the head and the body and the arms and the legs, everything passes through the window. Everything except for the tail. The tail does not go through the window. This is the story. This is the, this is the, it's a very traditional Zen koan from, from the Blue Cliff record. And it's, I think it, to me, it's about the impossibility of our lives. A little bit like the traditional Zen vows, right? Beings are numberless. I vow to save them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them or I vow to transform them. Again, these, uh, these are so core to Zen practice and I think to human practice of embracing stepping into um, what is aspirational, mysterious, and impossible. One of the books I've been reading, and it's a book called Entangled Life by Merlin Sheldrake. It's a book about seeing the world through the lens of mycelium, through the lens of mushrooms, and being less seeing what happens when we are less human-centric and, and more uh, the mysterious network of mycelium that we walk on and that in some ways is, uh, is within or has helped the bacteria with the, the millions and trillions of bacteria that live inside of us and that support our our bodies and minds. So I think this koan, right, the buffalo jumping through the window is, don't be so sure, don't be so sure of anything, certainly of not labeling yourself as a failure or a success or as a poet or as a business person. Uh, see what happens when we let go of the predicting brain and allow, allow every moment to be 
fresh and new and mysterious. Yeah. Whether it's holding a baby in your arms or being with someone who's dying or simply noticing, noticing a tree. Like, wow, how did, how did that happen? How did that happen? And I think this is the, the, the feeling that this, this Zen story uh, brings up. <laughs> I was thinking of, I did a week-long uh, a week-long retreat several years ago where the whole topic was inanimate, inanimate objects preach the Dharma. This was a, an essay by the 13th century Zen teacher Dogen. And, and really, it was, again, the same topic about not being so sure of things. And at the very end of this seven-day retreat, I asked, uh, I asked the last question. This was Shohaku Okamura, uh, was the teacher, a wonderful Zen teacher uh, who lives in, he's Japanese, has been leading a Zen group in Bloomington, Indiana. And I asked the last question, which is, we just spent a week on this topic of inanimate objects preach the Dharma. What should I tell my brother, who happens to be an electrical engineer in New Jersey? What will I tell him that we did? How did we spend this week of our time? And without hesitating, Shohaku said, you can tell your brother, the world is not what it seems. The world is not what it seems. And I think this is really the message of this koan of the buffalo jumping through the window, leaping through the window. Everything passes except the tail, that darn, that darn tail. So something to reflect on. What is it about our predictive minds? How do we keep ourselves safe and narrow? And how might we find the courage to ask really openly without knowing why doesn't the tail go through the window? Uh, thank you very much. I hope you've appreciated today's episode. To learn more about my work and my new book, Finding Clarity, you can visit marklesser.net. This podcast is offered freely and relies on the financial support from listeners like you. Please donate at marklesser.net slash donate. Thank you very much.